So I've already gone out and gotten myself some skins shorts because I've got some big old chunky thighs and I do not want to chafe away <laughs> my poor thighs, all right? So. And so, you know, in some ways it worked, but in other ways, he, he may have just trained his body to require more carbohydrates over that period. <laughs> Which is probably not the greatest thing either. <laughs> no, 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 exactly not. Do what's comfortable. And if, you know, as your runs get longer and you feel good, then that's when you can kind of go harder. Yeah, Mike, none of this is going to be comfortable for me, mate. I can tell you now, yeah. <laughs> right? But I get what you're saying. You said 80-20 split, 20% working at race pace or above, 80% yeah. just cruising. Just cruising, yeah. everyone welcome back to my first accountability video here i said that i was going to find out more about uh, what it takes to run a marathon i've done just that i'm going to introduce mike in just one second uh, but i thought i was going to have to reach out to see who, who do i know that that knows the most about endurance sports and running so it's got to be mike laurie so here's just some of the accolades that uh, that, that, that he's achieved um, basically he's a state champion in everything it turns out he's a, a state champ for the sprint distance triathlon, Olympic distance triathlon, off-road triathlon. He's the state champ for the five kilometer run, the 10 kilometer run, the cross country run. He's, a, he's gotten the podium spot 10 times in the Continental Cup, including wins in Africa, Asia, North and South America, Australia, and New Zealand. And he's also uh, had multiple top 10 World Cup podium finishes for triathlon. Did I get everything right? You did, yeah. I actually haven't gone on the podium. Um, in a World Cup yet, but okay. uh, that was my I can send you that. Um, so that was multiple top I've 10 been, finishes? Been top 10, uh, multiple times, yeah. Uh, multiple top 10 finishes in the World Cup. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Okay. Thank nice one. Well, it's so, so a pretty impressive resume then. Yeah, yeah. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. So for everyone yeah. that's uh, listening now, they know that I'm talking to a legit person that knows their stuff when it comes to running uh, marathons here. And uh, I'll have you know that when I told him I'm running one, he didn't just laugh at me. All right. He said he was very interested to see how this was going to go. He didn't laugh at me, which is a good start. Um, yeah. Mike, a couple questions that I wanted to, to ask you was, uh, firstly, if I'm going to run a marathon, I want to make sure it's a legit marathon. So like I was telling to Adrian, you know, I could just walk one, but that's not going to be impressive yeah. to a lot of people. So what is a, an acceptable time to finish a marathon? I've done a little bit of research prior um, looking at the city to surf run, uh, the marathon distance here in, in WA, and the average time was around the four hour and 15 minute mark. But I do know that some professionals, you know, fly in for the race, um, and then you'll have your average Joe doing it as well. So I didn't really know if it was accurate or not. Um, what do you think in terms of like a, a goal time for a marathon? Yeah, so I think for the city to surf, um, there's a few factors there. First, it's, it's quite a hard course. It is really hilly. Um, and towards the end, people will slow down quite a bit in comparison to, you know, one of the international marathons that are um, a bit faster. So, you know, a 4.15 there might actually be a 4 flat in other places. But then there's another factor in that, in general, in Perth, we have quite a fit population. So, you know, a 4-hour to 4-hour 15 marathon in Perth, is that, that's a really good average for uh, a group of people, for a city. I think most places you're looking at anywhere between four and five hours is a really strong time. So between four and five hours, you know, around the world would be an acceptable, like a pretty acceptable time to be running. Yeah, like four and a half hours for, for any person is, is pretty strong. I would okay. Say. Now yeah. I was uh, having to think about it as well in terms of course. I mean, I'm obviously going to run it here in WA. I probably won't yeah. run 
the Sea to Surf Marathon route just because there's, you know, no one's stopping streets for me. They should. They should stop all the, the roads for me and let me run my marathon. I would stop them for you, Nev. I'll, yeah. I'll ride next year and, you know, tell people to stop. Thank not you. many people the right but, now anyway. I was thinking of just setting a course sort of down the coast path because it's just uber long and then just, just running up and down, you know, the, that really nice coast running and cycling sort of multi-use path that we have. Yeah. Um, so if I was to say pick the, the average time for the sea to surf, four hours and 15 minutes or less, that was definitely an acceptable time to run a marathon in as a goal. I think, I think that's an exceptional time and I think you can definitely do it. Okay. Um, given the right, right program, you know, given the right timing. Perfect. So, so we've got the first thing done. I'm just writing notes as we go here as well. Um, yeah. the, second, the second thing is how long should I be training before I, before I do it? Okay, so probably an ideal time frame if you're starting from very limited running is 16 weeks, I would say. But, I mean, you're a reasonably fit guy. You're pretty strong and healthy. You could probably do it in 12. In 12 but you'd be, you'd be pushing it for sure. All right. So be pushing it in 12 weeks. You can be pushing it to do it in 12. 16 is ideal. Anything longer than 16 to 18, you're probably going to, you're going to run out of juice. You know, you're going to get demotivated. It's, it's too long. All right. I think um, that's great. So I like the, the 12 to 16 range. I think that I was having to think about it before that a 12 week block would probably be a bit more ideal for me, even though I'm not starting from a great aerobic fitness level. Is, yeah. that, is that like you're saying, even 16 weeks, four months, I might be running out of motivation. So I just want to get this thing done, but I do want to have a good crack at getting a good time. So, so if I was to say, let's say three months, like a 12 week, a 12 week schedule. Yeah. Right. A 12 week schedule. And then, oh my goodness, where did I write this down? Perfect. All right. So if I have a 12 week schedule, um, what does, what does that look like on paper? Um, we were having a chat before just, a, I called Mike before to say, you know, jump on, we'll have a quick video Skype and address some of these questions. Um, what, does, what does it consist of in terms of how many runs a week should I be doing? You know, what sort of intensity level? How do I periodize my program? You know, what does a 12-week program look like when you're training for a marathon? So in, tri in um, triathlon endurance sports, we kind of talk about macro and micro cycles. And so the macro cycles, like your four-week, you know, your four-week cycle, um, where you kind of do three hard weeks and you build through those three weeks and then your final week, um, the final of the four weeks is recovery week. And this is usually the most important week. You know, if you don't take it easy in this week, you're not going to be able to hit the next cycle hard. So in a 12 week program, you know, you have, you have three cycles that you can hit. The, the final one might be shortened a little bit so you can have a bit more rest. Um, yeah. So that's the first. And then the second is, you know, what, what does this training look like week to week? Um, and I guess in, in a general week, you're going to want to be wanting to hit four or five sessions. Um, two, two are going to be really easy. Yeah. Two might be, you know, introduce some intervals into your training. Okay. And then the final one in your week is definitely the most important. And the one, you know, if you can do this every week, it's, yeah, it's definitely the most important in getting to a marathon and that's your long run. Um, and so, yeah, over a 12-week period, you got three cycles. Every week, you're going to want to build up. Um, you're going to want to build your program slowly. Uh, in in uh, endurance sports, we talk about don't go more than 10% of the volume of the week before. So, um, yeah, what does that look like? I guess your first week, 
you're going to want to start off. I, I don't know how much you run. You don't run much, do you? <laughs> Mate, I have not run since uh, since I was playing rugby back in 2016. So, so uh, I've got some jujitsu rolling around on the ground endurance, but but not so much <laughs> running endurance, mate. Yeah, yeah. So you're going to want to start pretty short because you know you don't want to get any injuries, and in a 12 week period, you could get some injuries going. Okay. Um, so you might want to start off around 15 to 20 kilometers in your first week. And well, mate, I thought one. you said start start light. I was expecting 12 k's here. <laughs> wait, all right. So be you're, you're about you're 20. running a marathon. So <laughs> true. So so 20 20 k's. I mean, is this sort of like um, uh, where you would work backwards? So like, you know, if I have 42.2 Ks, and it is 42.2 exactly, right? If I do 42.2, someone's not yeah. going to troll me, but I like, guess 42.25 or something. Like, no, it's 42.2? Uh, I think it's like 195 or something like that. Oh, I love 42.2 just to make sure. Um, yeah. Do, I, do yeah. I work backwards from there? Because you had said that sort of two weeks before the marathon, you do basically a 32 K run at marathon yeah. pace. Yeah, so your aim two weeks before is to hit something about 70, 65 to 75% of the full distance. Yeah. Um, obviously, if you're doing a 16-week program, you can get a bit closer to your full marathon distance a few weeks out. But 12 weeks, yeah, definitely around 30K. Um, and then, you know, when you do the marathon, you just suffer, suffer through that final bit. I'm sure you're used to suffering. And then, yeah, working back from there, uh, the, week, the week prior to that, you might want to do like a 25-kilometer long run um yeah and so we'll probably start from the start here so your first four weeks you're going to try and build up from maybe a long run of about eight kilometers yeah or seven kilometers to a long run of you know 13 or 14 kilometers that's by the end of the four yeah. week block end of your first like yeah first four week block when you say the end you mean on week three because that's my highest workload week yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. Sorry, say that one time. i want to work up to 15 k's you said yeah about 15 k's at the end of your first block Okay. I mean, so basically if I'm doing week one to three, I'm ranging between eight and 15 Ks. Um, exactly. Weeks one, two, three. On the next block, it yeah. might be what between 10 and 12 starting point and 20 by week three, something along those lines. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. And then, and then your fourth block, uh, it's obviously going to be a shortened block. I mean, your third block is going to be shortened, right? Because uh, after two weeks, you're going to want a, another two week taper instead of a one week easy, easy week, easy recovery week. Yeah. So you might want to go, you know, you've done 20 kilometers in your eighth week, your ninth week, you want to back it off to maybe 12 or 13 kilometer long run. And then you want to hit probably 25 kilometers in your uh, 10th week, no, your ninth week. And then your 10th week, that's when you're going to want to hit your proper long run. Around okay. 30 and, and those long runs, that's just by themselves. Now you, you were saying a really important rule and it's, it's, the, it's a universal rule for basically everything, right? 20% yeah. of the workforce does 80% of the work. You know, focus on 20% of something to, to cover 80% of something else. It's, uh, you said 80-20 split, 20% working at race pace or above, 80% yeah. just cruising. Just cruising, yeah. So the 80% is, you know, the, the more you do at a lower volume, the more running you can do, the more your body's going to adapt. So your cells adapt they, um, you know, they're able to use more oxygen. The more you run, uh, your, your efficiency increases in your stride, your muscles increase in efficiency and, you know, how it uses that oxygen and how, you know, how you run just overall efficiency increases are gained from that 80% as much as they are from the other 20%. And the other thing is you also, you know, lots of people go out and they run hard all the time. 
but they're not allowing themselves to recover in between each run. If you're doing four or five runs a week, you're, you're not going to recover between each one. So you're not actually going to get the, the, the key benefits out when, from when you do run hard. Right. Just a question with that as well, because we talked about you know, two easy runs, one, uh, sorry, two short runs, one, one long run. Um, yeah. Does that mean for, let's say, on the long run, the 8K or the 15K, whatever it is that week, am I yeah. running that whole thing cruisy and I'm putting in my 20% at race pace during the two shorter runs or do I split it up? So let's say from a 10K uh, long run, I'll run 8K of it cruisy and the last two at race pace. Like, do I change in each run or do I just keep them completely separate? Yeah, no, that's a great point. Um, yeah, you, you can split it up. You split your 20% off between a few runs. So in the long run, you want to kind of finish hard so that you get used to, you know, running at or above your marathon pace when you're fatigued. So that's definitely, yeah, it's definitely a key run to test, yeah, how, how, you, how you can go at the end um, when you're under fatigue. And then... On one of your other runs, you really want to put in some interval efforts, you know, like one minute on, one minute off during the middle part of, of that, that run. Um, so that, yeah, you, you get used to going above and beyond your marathon effort and then you recover and then, you know, you go again. So you get some, some key adaptions in your speed and efficiency there. Perfect. I've got my, my Garmin instinct already here. All right. So I, I know I can, I can set a little pace, man. And I can, uh, I can track my running pace here. I can set goals and standards. So I'm, I'm quite excited about, about beating the, the, the pace man on the watch. Should be good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'll come out and run with you. I'll, I'll sit two meters in front of you and make you go a little faster. Oof. All right. Okay. I'll, I'll hold you to that. That'll be good. Um, with, with, as the program progresses, because it is a, you know, a relatively short buildup and I don't have an extensive running background, um, yeah. is is it all right to increase my sessions as you know by you know in week two and in week five so for example if my total aim for um that week is to go uh let's say you know 30 odd 40 k's worth and i don't you know i can do one long run of 15 and i don't think i can get two shorter runs in could i break that into three shorter runs in week four so that's four total and then maybe five runs on week five but then week four making sure i take it right back to just two or three runs to recover um yeah i mean the the more shorter like smaller runs you can break into as well the more you're the more often you're actually getting out to run uh it's probably better for your muscles and your bones um to adapt to running so shorter yeah breaking it into smaller runs is definitely a good thing um and then in your recovery week, yeah you can if you reduce the amount of runs you reduce the total volume uh that's it's a perfect way to recover Okay. Yeah. Great. Great. All right. So that's pretty good. What, I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to whip this up into a bit of a, an Excel spreadsheet. I'll splice yeah. it into this video so everyone can see, and I'll flick you through a copy as well in an email. And then you just have a look over it and make sure I'm, I'm not lost my mind and, and give me the, the thumbs up basically. Um, yeah, and then I can get into it. A few more things I wanted to touch on as well is one is uh, when you're training um, for competition or for, you know, for a race or just, you know, if you're focusing on, on getting better, are you tracking your calories and more specifically your carbs? So I've known, you know, I've done KJ diets before, which are great for endurance, um, but yeah. I have no plan on changing, well, unless you would recommend in changing um, sort of diet in terms of going from carbs to keto. Um, but if I was just to eat normally, uh, do you track the number of carbs you're having? to make sure you're getting enough glycogen back into the muscles? 
You know, to be honest, um, and I've actually come unstuck with this recently. I've never particularly tracked a whole lot my um, my overall food intake because in triathlon we we generally train enough that you just eat as much as you can um, as long as you're you know you're full. And I recently I like, came unstuck with this. I like the sound um, of this. I like the sound you of like it. Sound? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds all right. I mean, I'm training 30 hours a week. I'm doing 15, 20 sets. I'm doing three or four sessions every day, 30 to 40 hours a week. So basically eat as much as possible. Um, and I've never been like, I'm always lean because I'm training so much. Uh, but where I did come unstuck with this was uh, 2018, I took a step back from full-time triathlon. I trained a little bit less. Um, and so I kind of cut back on my, my overall intake of food. And I focus more on getting, you know, great high quality nutrients in my diet, um, eating non, you know, non-processed food, that sort of thing. Um, and, you know, getting some good vitamins in. And then in 2019, I went back on the Canadian team. I was trying to make the Olympics last year. And I almost doubled or tripled my training volume from the previous year, but I didn't increase my net calories. And um, I, it was, I realized it's too late. And so last year I burnt out pretty hard because I was focusing on too much on, you know, getting in good nutrients and yeah, taking my vitamins and all that sort of thing. But I wasn't actually focused enough on, you know, increasing my intake of, of carbs and proteins and fats to adapt to the training load. Okay. And, um, I mean, your original point was more about carbohydrates, right? Yeah. And that's more what you're asking. So if you're going to be doing your high intensity sessions, you're going to want some pretty high quality carbohydrates in there. Even sugars, athletes, you know, we often have gels while we're running um, and before we run. So a gel is just like 20, you know, 20 to 40 grams of sugars, um, maybe with a bit of caffeine in it. Uh, so for your longer runs, especially, you're really going to want something during that run or just before that run so that your body's, you know, your cells are loaded with um, like some sugar and some carbohydrates some high quality fuel. Um, when you're going slower, you probably want to fill up more on fats. You want to teach your body to be able to burn fats as opposed to carbohydrates as an alternate source of fuel. Uh, to do this, lots of people will, you know, do fasted runs. They won't eat before they run. They might have a bit of caffeine in there. Um, and sometimes for us, these can be very important runs where, you know, you teach your body to run faster, you teach to burn fat so that when you're in a race and you don't necessarily need to be burning carbohydrates because you're not going really hard, you're going slower. Uh, yeah, you want to be burning those fats. So I, ho I hope that answers your question. Yeah, I, I, I think so. And I was, I was hitting up the old textbooks before, tucked away in yeah. is uh, just looking at sort of, you know, recommended um, amounts of carbohydrates, you know, for different amounts of exercise, you know. so. We're gonna definitely have to yeah. play around with that and make sure that um, I'm feeling like I'm not lacking too much energy and, and definitely have a play around with some fasted work as well, um, which, I, which I'm used to when I was doing the keto stuff. A lot of the time it was fasted or intermittent fasting, um, which I actually yeah. quite enjoy. So um, that doesn't sound like it's too, too, too hard there. And that's interesting that with your carbo uh, gels, it's about 40 grams of carbs and some caffeine because I was looking at what I utilize with um, some of my strength athletes if they're doing uh, weight cuts. Um, it's yep. really important to, because uh, basically there's going to be a generally, a part of a weight cut is a glycogen depletion so that you get rid of all the water, sort of like naturally as a diuretic. Um, but yep. then you need to reabsorb that glycogen before you compete again after you step off the scales. This is for, you know, for weight classes. 
And uh, yeah. one of the best ways is, um, and I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head, but he works with, I think most of the UFC fighters. He does it now with a lot of um, different weight cutting sports wrestlers in the US. Um, and, and basically it's a two to one mix of um, dextrose, fructose with uh, caffeine. So basically just sugar, caffeine, and it just yeah. uh, is a really fast entrance uh, for that glycogen to get sucked back into the um, into the muscles. So, um, yeah, I was thinking about playing around with with a little bit of a dextrose and fructose and some caffeine, but well, the carbo gels, if they already do it for you, that's easier. Yeah, well, um, I know that that recently they did that breaking two marathon, and I mean, I haven't studied a lot in terms of what the gels they were taking, but they say usually you can take on you know max, I think it's one gram per kilogram of body weight per hour. Something like something along those lines. So forty to sixty like grams an hour you can take on. Uh, your, your stomach can handle it. Um, whereas in that marathon, I think the the guy who set the world record or unofficial world record was taking up to ninety grams uh, per per hour, which is you know that would be one and a half times the body weight. And he was taking this Ineos gel, and I think I think you're right. It has you know that fructose and the different. Um, yeah, just allows you absorb the uh, the sugars better, I believe. Yeah, okay. So I'm looking to that that certain gel. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm mean, doing everything other, everything to max out my uh, my my attempt here. Oh uh, yeah, well well, some of the guys in in my squad in triathlon Canada would train their bodies to take on more gels, and I'm talking like to extreme extents. You know, we would go for an hour easy ride, and I had a guy who would take two two sixty um, gram gels in that period and he would probably go through about 40 or 50 a week oh wow um yeah 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 it was it was it was pretty crazy but i mean at the end of the day in a race in a one hour race a two hour race he would go through two or three gels and i could only ever go through one that's all my stomach to handle and so you know in some ways it worked but in other ways he, he may have just trained his body to require more carbohydrates over that period <laughs> which is probably not the greatest thing either <laughs> no 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 exactly not but it is, um, it is interesting that you said that you had that experience about burning out um when you came back because you weren't focusing on just the total amount of of of, of food needed um because there was sort of a, a hierarchy when when um i guess with when i'm talking with body composition with clients and, and the most important thing is is when you want to change your body composition is is calories first then uh, your macros, so where they're coming from, uh, you know, carbs, fats, sugars, and then your micronutrients, so all of your, yeah. you know, uh, magnesiums and potassiums, and, and then, you know, your supplements down the very bottom, right? So there is that yeah. hierarchy to it. So you, you forgot step one, Mike. I know, and that's the problem is like sometimes you get so too intense in, you know, what, what you're exactly thinking about that you don't actually look at the bigger picture. And so often, you know, and maybe that's what you do it every time you have an easy week. You take a step back and you look at the bigger picture. You go, hey, am I actually hitting my goals here? Um, yeah, and I just didn't do that properly. You know, I was okay. too, too focused. I was too laser focused on uh, one it. area. Laser and focused. I, the funny thing is I had that exact same hierarchy written down to, to talk about. So yeah. you're, you're back on there. <laughs> oh, yeah, mate. Got to stay on top of these things. Um, yeah. I guess one of the last things I wanted to talk about was um, – was any other tips and tricks so i've already gone out and gotten myself some skins shorts because i got some big old chunky thighs and i do not want to chafe away <laughs> my poor thighs all right so when i played rugby i also wore the skins so i'm back on the uh, under armor and skins train there um adrian was already laughing at me he says i'm going to need little um little little um pasties there because he said you get chafed up under the uh, armpits close to the uh, oh, yeah. chest so i said well, i'll get the compression gear um when i'm running uh 
one of my friends, he does, he's done an ultra and he does a lot of distance running through the trails and he wears a little yeah. harness that has, you know, you can put his phone in there, a couple of gels and it's got two little drink, uh, small little drink bottles that can, that can attach in. Have you ever used yeah. anything like that? I was looking at maybe either like a chest one or a belt or some sort of camelback, like backpack. What, what do you suggest for like these long runs? You know, if I'm doing a 15, 20 K, you know, run in, in training, like what, what's the best way to sort of to stay hydrated? Do you use any of that equipment? You know, um, for the most part, my runs and that are short enough so I, I can get away without those. And, you know, I can, I can do, I can pretty comfortably do a 25, 30K run without having any food or water. But I've, you know, I've done one or two trail runs where I've just carried like a bottle. You know, some people carry them in their hand and they just like fill them up when they need to. Uh, the other thing is camelbacks are great because um, you don't feel them, right? So the camelbacks, they're attached to your back. You just have a little straw. You can take a drink anytime which also promotes you to actually want to take a drink. Whereas, you know, you, you just want it easily accessible, right? Yeah. Because you want to take lots of small sips over that period. Whereas if you have something that's, you know, that's clunky, unaccessible, that sometimes even belts, uh, some people have running belts where they have a few bottles strapped on. Uh, yeah, they can just be, you know, uncomfortable. So whatever it is, you just want to make sure it's comfortable and easily accessible so that you want to take more in. Yeah. Okay. I think, yeah, I definitely got to look down that camelback route. I was, uh, I was hoping to go try some on, but all the Katmandu stores are closed at the moment. So it's online stores only. I might just have to risk it and get one and see, hopefully yeah. it fits and doesn't feel like it slushes around too much. Well, yeah. I mean, asking ultra marathon person is the perfect way to go. I mean, my sister, Erica, I'm not sure if you had her on the show once. Um, I got her on and when we were doing the podcast, it started pouring down so loud that you couldn't actually hear the, the speaking. So I'm going to get her yeah. back in. And then, and yeah. then for everyone watching, I'm going to get Mike back in once I've completed all this and, 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 uh, and there's a little bit less social distancing going on. He's going to come into the, into yeah. the studio and get under the podcast as well. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. What, what other tips and tricks would you, would you recommend? Um, you've, we've already talked about earphones. I picked up a, a good pair of, of over the ear plus, um, earbuds wireless. So with a good battery yeah. life and a good, uh, water resistance rating. So they're not going to short out when I sweat all over them um yeah uh we've talked about running shoes i might make a trip into athletes foot if they're still open just to walk on there or have a jog on their little uh special uh foot reader to make sure i don't need any special sort of shoes for the but basically i've got a pair a couple of pairs of runners at home i've got the earphones um i'm going to sort out my hydration system and awesome. uh anything else that i need to be considering um i think you've you've hit a lot of it on the head you know i mean lots of the you know from working in strength and, uh, and gym work is, is quite applicable to run, long distance running. Um, just make sure you keep, you know, looking at taking a step back and looking at your overall program. Make sure you're not doing, you know, you're not getting too intense on your speeds because at the end of the day, in a marathon, you might lose five or 10 minutes in the last two or three kilometers just because in the first two or three kilometers, you went out five seconds a kilometer too fast. Well, wow. So I mean, Focus on the overall picture and not too much at like the intense details because you're, you're, you're aiming for a range of speeds. You don't know exactly what speed you're going to go, right? So, I mean, aim high, but um, I guess, yeah, just, just do it. Do what's comfortable. And if, you know, as your runs get longer and you feel good, then that's when you can kind of go harder. Yeah, Mike, none of this is going to be comfortable for me, mate. I can tell you now, yeah. <laughs> right? but I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Yeah um geez i think that's i think that's it. oh let me ask you a question when you're training 
do you, yep. um, you know, you, you're saying in your head, hey, I want to get roughly this time. So you're saying then, you know, you might lose 10 minutes down the track if you go out just a couple seconds faster per kilometer early on. When yep. you're in your competition, in your race, do you use a pacer like on your watch or anything like that where you can sort of say, hey, I'm sitting at this time and with 10 Ks to go, if I'm feeling good, I can, I can up the pace? Um, or do you just do it strictly by feel? Um, in my triathlons, probably not much so because triathlons are more a tactical thing, but in running, I definitely do. Um, in running, I will, you know, all the world records are um, negative splitters. That means that you always end up, if, if you're going to hit a personal best, it's almost always going to be because your second half is faster than your first half. So, the second half of the marathon? Yeah, the second half of the marathon is always faster than the first half. You look at any record, any, any 5K, 10K world record, it's always faster because you, they don't necessarily go out conservatively, but they go out you know, around world record pace, maybe slightly slower, and then they kick at the end. So the last like, you know, few kilometers is always quite faster. Um, and in my training, I always try to emulate that. If I'm doing a hard running session, I will always start out the first few repetitions um, slightly slower than my goal pace for the overall like session. And then I'll always try to bring it home really hard because if you go out too hard, then you're, you know, you're actually just training your body to fail and to, you know, to fatigue early. Okay. So, so what, what would you recommend then if I come up with a figure out the split for whatever the kilometer split is to get, you know, four to four hours and 15 minutes. Um, yeah. when I'm, when I'm doing, uh, when I'm doing the actual marathon itself, should I be aiming, you know, just slightly slower than that or, or at that pace and then try to bring it home? Like, what would you recommend there? Yeah, well, I would say at least the first five kilometers, you're going to want to start out. And sometimes this is hard because you're, you know, you're fit, you're feeling good, you're tapered. And yeah, you've got a lot of adrenaline, your heart rate's racing, you know, you're not going to have as much of a problem where you've got a million other races around you like you would in a big marathon. So that's a good thing. So, um, so your heart rate's not going to be too high, but yeah, I would recommend starting out, you know, maybe five to 10, you know, five or 10 seconds kilometer slower for the first 5k and then kind of like building in. So, you know, when you hit your midway split, you might even want to be a little bit behind the, you know, you, what you, what you aim to do. And then from there you really build it in. Hey? So you kind of want your fastest, you know, for, for an elite, you want your fastest kilometers to be at the end. But maybe for yourself, you want your fastest kilometers to be somewhere between 20 and 30 kilometers or 25 and 35 kilometers is where you really want to be hitting it. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Well, that's great. That, thank you so much. This gives me a lot to, to, to think about and work on and, and, and get a bit of a schedule up. But uh, training starts on Monday. Training starts in just a couple of days, two days. What you doing? What's your, what's your Monday session? Well, I've got to figure it out, but I'm going to start with one of my, with one of my shorter runs with a couple intervals yeah. in there. I've been told minute on, minute off. Get, get a few K. I've got to see um, how I feel because I, I don't know um, how these old legs are going to, uh, how they're going to, you know, feel about me jumping straight into some uh, reasonable length runs here. So I'll, um, yeah. maybe the first week I'll have a bit of a plan and then um, I'll try my best to stick to it and then, you know, readjust as I go. Yeah, yeah. Give me a, give me a message any week. Um, I'm happy to even keep an eye on it week, week by week. Bye. Perfect. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate that, Mike. That's great. 
No worries. Awesome. Yeah, well, thanks, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. No, thanks for jumping on. I really appreciate it. Like I said, we'll definitely get you on here. I'll be touching base with you during this whole training thing, but we'll definitely get you on for it. For, this yeah. is the podcast studio back behind me anyhow uh, in the office um, for when, for when uh, after it's all said and done, we'll get you in here and, and we'll have like maybe a celebration podcast or something. Sounds great. Yeah. When, when you go four hours, 14, 59, or maybe 359, who knows, you know? Yeah, yeah, 359, actually. I wouldn't be surprised if you actually, if you, uh, if you did that. So. All right, well, well let's see. We'll, we'll aim high and, uh, and, and we'll do our best. But thanks again, Mike, and uh, I'll chat with you soon. Okay, see you now. Thanks. Yeah.